Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Let's jump right into today's question. Back on episode one, you talked about ideas turning into viruses. Well, I've been infected with one. My new project's going to require a ton of work over a long period of time. This doesn't scare me, but I'm struggling to carve out the time to do the work. I have a family and kids to care for, demanding jobs that require 50 to 60 hours a week, and a dizzying array of other responsibilities. Can you share some mindsets and techniques that can help me find consistent time and discipline to make this project a reality? So our asker's question is likely relatable for many people. The business of our lives is likely the number one reason most people don't complete and ship their passion projects. It's hard work. There's quite a few mindsets and techniques that can help, but they're all going to have different levels of effectiveness depending on your project, your situation, and your personality. Here are seven techniques that have worked for me over the years. One, consistency is greater than fits and starts. Two, accountability. Three, deadlines. Four, tailor your workflow to the needs of the work. Five, prioritize. Six, carve out the time. And seven, understand your boundaries. Let's break these down one at a time. Number one, consistency is greater than fits and starts. You have to do the work even when you don't feel like doing it. If you only do your project in spurts, it's hard to maintain momentum. You'll tend to spend unbalanced amounts of time on different sections of the work. It also stretches out the already long timeline you're anticipating for your project, which can lead to a lot of frustration since over that time, you might have new ideas for another project that you have to put on the back burner. Uh, and it can sap momentum from finishing your existing project. The, my technique for solving this is to have a minimum and maximum every day. So your minimum target, it needs to be something that you can easily fit into your usual time window for the work, whether that be a word count, minutes painting, repetitions of a movement. And your maximum target should also fit into that same time window and be a reflection of when you're really focused in the zone when I'm writing a novel, my targets are usually 500 to 1,500 words a day, five to six days a week. Counts are traceable. There's something you can track over time. Some people write these on a calendar or put some kind of visual in their project area so they don't break a streak. They're also shareable, which could be a strategy for covering my next point, which is number two, accountability. There's a lot of different schools of thoughts regarding telling others about your passion projects. On one extreme, you never tell another soul until the project's 100% complete. The upside, there's nobody who's going to be disappointed if you abandon the project. The downside is that you're going to have a lack of support and understanding to help you accomplish your goal. It also eliminates the possibility of asking for help or advice in the project's development. On the other extreme, you tell everybody all the time. Great upside there is then you've got this accountability you're seeking. People are going to ask how it's going. They may offer advice and resources to help you with your project. But the downside is that you may fall into the trap of talking about a project instead of actually doing the work. All that feedback can lead to a paralyzing fear of failure that can sink your motivation before you even start. So you need to find a balance somewhere between those two extremes. In our askers case, they probably will need family support 
to carve out time and resources needed for their passion project. And it could also impact their day job. Are there opportunities to carve out some time during the work week? The most common technique will be working on your project during your lunch break. Your colleagues might start to wonder why you're not going with them to lunch or you're going off on your own for an extended lunch a couple days a week. So this comes with some warnings. I'll get more into that on the seventh point. But what I'm really trying to get across here is the need to be creative, especially if you're tied into things like childcare constraints. You want to think of project time as a series of trade-offs or sacrifices. You may need to take a long lunch two or three times a week and then trade that extra time at lunch for some extra email catch-up work at night after the kids are in bed. You know, Things like email are lower energy, so shifting it to a time when you're creatively exhausted could be a great trade-off. Let's talk about number three, deadlines. Deadlines for passion projects tend to fall into one of the following categories. Self-imposed, performative, or mandated. Self-imposed would be, I want to have a complete first draft in three months. Performative could be, the curtains are going up, or the contest entry deadlines on a set day and time. The show must go on, right? The mandated deadlines, you're under a contract. You have to submit your project by a specified date. Now, if you're considering self-imposing a deadline, you have to be honest with yourself. Is it really going to help push you to do good work or just pile on unnecessary anxiety? Personally, I like to do that, but I do so with a loose range as opposed to hard dates. For example, last month, I started working on the fifth editing pass of my next novel. I believe it's going to take two to three months. I'm working towards a two-month deadline, but I'm not going to sacrifice the quality of the work. I may have things come up in my day job with my kids, but I also may feel the need to slow down, go back, fix something. This is really my last major editing pass, so I'm comfortable adjusting my deadline to reflect what's in the best interest of producing the highest quality manuscript I can. That sort of example may not apply if you're doing oil paintings or you're training to be a black belt in karate. There may be other constraints, but you really want to be careful about self-imposed deadlines. I don't want to talk too much about performative and mandated deadlines because they're pretty self-explanatory, but even with mandated ones, you know, if something does come up with your life, you may have some negotiating power when you're talking about those deadlines. Performative ones tend to be the least flexible, uh, but it can also help you produce your best work. Number four, tailor your workflow to the needs of the work. Turning ideas into finished work can take so many forms. There is a balance to be found between the needs of your lifestyle and the form you're creating in. Writing a book is very different than putting on a ballet recital or painting acrylic paintings. There's never a one-size-fits-all solution for all creative projects you'll have in your life, and your life certainly changes across your many projects. What worked on my last book probably isn't going to work the same way on my next one. Part of that is the fact that the more you gain skill in a task and experience, you're going to gain proficiency and confidence, which changes how you go about doing your work. Your network might change. There may be changes with your family, work, living arrangements. That's going to impact the time, locations, or resources that are available to help you develop your project. I'll use this podcast as an example here. You'll notice many of my episodes are between 10 and 20 minutes long, with the exception of the workshop episodes which tend to be more of a longer form interview. And this is by design. Producing a 15-minute episode once a week fits really well into my schedule. I have two young kids. I'm trying to write books, but I also have a demanding day job and other responsibilities. So I've created a pattern throughout the week that allows me to write, record, produce, and distribute an episode. Since I tend to have some unpredictability in my schedule, I do have lots of flexibility built into that schedule when I do things. A significant project is going to have multiple elements you work on, such as development of ideas, 
your research phase, planning or building a scaffold for your project. That could be things like outlining, drafting, your initial sketches, concept documents, creating the actual work, editing and refinement, marketing and selling. In each phase of your project, it's going to have different requirements for the time, focus and energy required. Not all of them have to be done at the same point of a project. You can't sell what you haven't produced, for example. But you're going to want to try and wireframe all of the requirements and phases at the start of the project. Identify which areas can you work on at specific times and places. Can you work on two or three of those ideas concurrently, taking advantage of opportunities to go to, let's say, a, uh, in my case, a literary convention or a podcasting convention and network, uh, work on the marketing and selling when it's opportunistic. It's going to allow you a better way to segment your workflow, which helps with the next point here, which is number five, prioritizing. It's really easy to get bogged down in the minutiae that comes at us each and every day. It's far better to go into a day having clearly identified the three to five things that are vital for a successful day. You're never going to get rid of all the minutiae in a day. There's just no way. So when you're balancing a day job, family, and your project, don't feel any guilt in making sure that your project is one of those plates you're keeping in the air. Make sure it's one of the items on those three to five things that are going to mean a successful day. And schedule those priorities as best you can. Push back less essential duties. You may have to say no to things in your daily life, whether that be some TV, social media, busy work projects that aren't a good use of your skill set. Uh, you may need to find other people in your organization that might be better suited for work that you're doing that's taking an inordinate amount of time. I do recommend looking at trying to batch tasks more, especially things like email. Again, try to align work on those batches the times of day that match the energy and focus needed to complete them. Doing this is going to reduce the amount of context switching. The concept of context switching is very popular these days. It's really something that adds a lot of time to the task you need to complete, and it saps a ton of mental energy along the way. There's so many studies about tabbing between windows or looking back and forth between focus work, email, Slack, your phone. It gets us so manic and unfocused, and I really feel it's one of the major drains of our time. So it's important here, if you're struggling with finding the balance between passion projects, your day job, your family, and everything else, you really want to look at context switching as maybe one of those things where you're not being very efficient with your time. And that's going to help you with number six, carving out the time. No matter how much any of us can optimize our days, it may not be enough to do our project justice. This is especially true for me. I mean, that's kind of why I'm a member of the 5 a.m. club whenever I can. Now, I don't prescribe to the morning person, night owl designations people like to use to describe themselves. I feel it limits us for no good reason. For sure, we have patterns to our days, weeks, seasons, different eras of our lives. All I'm saying here is recognize that you do have the power to change those patterns to fit your dreams. For me, the early morning hours in particular are precious. They're quiet. They're unhurried. They're full of creative potential. I'm coming right out of a dream state where my brain has been busy making subconscious connections. I feel I write better. So that's why I always try to do my creative writing in those early morning sessions to take advantage of that deeper connection to the subconscious, all that creative energy. I'll save editing and production tasks to later in the day, over the weekend, after the kids are in bed, or I'm creatively drained. I might just not feel, you got to do the work when you don't feel like it, but maybe it's a 500 word day and I just can't get my brain to do anymore. Maybe I'll switch over to an editing or marketing task just to keep the ball rolling on another phase of my project, which is why you want some concurrency there. Your particular project might not be something that can be done in the wee hours of the morning. 
that you may want to consider moving certain day job or household tasks to those early hours, which will open up time later in the day for your project, whether that be a rehearsal or you have to take a class. Just be sure to let everyone know what you're doing. You want to avoid trapping yourself by getting a jump on the day at 5 a.m., but then getting sucked into a 12-hour nonstop workday. You know, that's a fast track to burnout. And since our asker has a family and kids, I'll add an extra tip here. They're likely going to want to reduce the impact on rising early. I recommend a wrist alarm, which I use to silently wake me. You can find these uh, from most retailers online. I recommend you really get good sleep hygiene here. Keep any and all screens out of the bedroom. It's going to help you get better rest and help you get into that subconscious state to help your creative energy if you do get up early in the morning. Lastly, number seven, understand your boundaries. You really need to make sure you identify potentials for conflicts of interest at the start. For example, does your personal project rely on proprietary knowledge or resources that belong to your employer? Will your project, once you complete it, directly compete with your employer? Be diligent. Try to view the project from their perspective. Never forget that your employer's perception equals their reality. Even if you don't intend for there to be a conflict, one may be perceived if you're not clear on your intentions at the start. And that goes for stealing time from your family, your employer, or your mental and physical health. Just because you're passionate about your project doesn't mean you have to spend every available moment on it. Rest and relaxation are even more important since you're effectively working an additional job by working on the project. Can't be intentional with your R&R here. You can watch YouTube videos relevant to your project during downtime or maybe movies or shows that do inspire your creativity. Watching or reading things that are in the same genre you're writing is something I do on a regular basis. It's okay to take mental or physical notes on things you learn during those times. Don't make it feel like work, but it can serve your larger creative purpose. I will say you do want to be wary of multiple projects going at the same time. Is it better to do a few things really well or a bunch of things with mediocrity? And again, you want to avoid fracturing your focus. Context switching we talked about before. Dedicate different times or places for different types of projects or phases within those projects. And that's going to help you make sure that you properly pace your work and your expectations for when they get completed. So I'd like to close today's episode with a quote from Shane Parrish from one of his recent Farnham Street newsletters. And I'll have a link to this amazing newsletter in the show notes, which you can get on chriscroyder.com slash cdwi. Tomorrow's self knows that no one builds a wall all at once. It's going to take a month of consistent effort from the time you start before it's done. Tomorrow's self wishes you'd stop thinking about the wall and focus on one brick. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode, sign up to the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Crystal Dealing.